Hello and welcome to That Tech Show, the show that reveals the magicians behind the magic that is everyday technology. Happy 50th birthday, Chris. Happy 50th birthday to you, Sam. And happy 50th birthday to you, listener, if you've managed to make it through all 50 episodes. Or to this one, which is the 50th. So if you've listened to all previous 49 episodes. And if you haven't, stop this one right now. Go back and listen to those ones so that you've got the context that's needed. Don't worry, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, now that you're up to speed, we're going to do something really special and interesting um, on this blessed episode. We're going to we're going to reminisce, aren't we? uh, Would be the correct word to describe it, wouldn't it be? Yeah, we're going to look back at some of our uh, favourite bits. I think some of the highlights from Mm forty nine conversations that we've had. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm revealing it now. I don't want to be doing yeah. that. 49 conversations over... Uh, how long have we been recording these? I mean, it must be two years. Because two years. We started, we started like a good six months or so before we released our first episode. As with many podcasts, uh, a lot of the recording, well, they started of uh, the year of 2020. And I don't know if you remember that faithful year, but it was uh, it was an interesting year. But when many found themselves depressed and alone and seemingly creating podcasts. Yeah, a huge outbreak of uh, podcasts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Terrible outbreak 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a pandemic of podcasts as a result yeah. of the pandemic of uh, yeah. global proportions. Yeah. So, yes. But I think there can't be that many that are still going. We're 50 episodes in. We've done almost one a week, except for our little Christmas break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to say, I I think we're one of the best. We're one of the best. And I think modesty is probably one of your better qualities, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Modesty and my moustache. Yes, actually, that's true. You didn't have a moustache when we started. No, no, I didn't have this uh, this back pain I've got right now and my... uh, my this broken finger or anything i'm just i'm just falling apart i'm a different person now so did you actually break your finger i don't think so i uh i think i could just move it it's it's fine i can it's slowly heal it that's the thing is that's the thing when you get old kids things get take longer to heal and i found that out you know my 34th year here's my here's my take on life and we'll get to the clips now but here's my <laughs> short summary of life 27 everything starts going downhill it's not really worth living after 27 but if you do make it after 27 34 is when your body just starts breaking down life gets crap and then your body gets crap so i'm not really sure what the next milestone is in life but that's my observation uh do with that information what you will so you're suggesting that um, that they had it right then, the 27 Club. Well, that's uh, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Um, was Cobbin. Amy Winehouse, in, was, was he 27 as well? We got um, Amy, Amy Winehouse. Winehouse. Yeah. Uh, Jade yeah. Goody. <laughs> she was, she was 27. Yeah, but <laughs> she wasn't cool though, was she? Well, okay. She, she died on? of natural causes though. Well, not natural causes, but uh, cancer is I natural causes. I think we should cut that bit out. <laughs> it's observational. It is um, observational. Cool. Well, so what we're going to do and how we're going to run this is we're going to release this as a video. I need to get used to looking at the camera and I'm so used to kind of being on the mic to make sure I don't... I have to um, apologise for my soft focus. I'm not really exactly too sure what's going on. Let's see if we can try. It's all right. It, it, it does wonders for your skin, so don't worry too much about it. Right. Sort of... <laughs> Vaseline on the lens sort of vibe going on here. Right. That actually so looks a bit better. I think I just needed to clean my lens. 
Well, it's definitely doing something. The camera's having a... Yeah. Like, it looks like it's got a filter on, but it hasn't. Unless yeah. you've been applying filters to me. Um, but with that being said, should we jump into the first clip? Yeah, absolutely. And have a little listen to it right now. I'm, I've got a very, very technical setup right now, so bear with me. Our first clip was one of the really early episodes where I thought, you know, we've got a banger on our hands here because Ben Lavender not only is the chief product owner of DAZN, which is... Oh, he's moved on from DAZN well, now, actually. Not so anymore, is, yeah. Yeah, so this is... Uh, we, should catch, we should catch up with where Ben is, actually. Let's, uh, let's do that very quickly. Yeah. So not only is was at, at this time was he one of the big chiefs at um at Dazon uh was he one of the founders um he also believe it or not invented the iPlayer and mm. this clip kind of goes into how he invented the iPlayer but it was just a spectacular really early peaking early on on that tech show I think on this one don't you think yeah absolutely i think this is a really great episode um just, I mean, just purely for the his, the historic thing of, you know, Ben is an expert in in digital video, um, and I met him at Love Film, which mm. subsequently became Amazon Prime Video, and uh, I mean, it, it was amazing to get to work with, you know, s- such such visionaries like Ben, and the 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 history that he has with having invented the iPlayer and spent so long shopping it around places, but we'll hear that coming up, so mm-hmm. um, we'll go into it. But yeah, Ben has since moved on. I think he's actually now the group director for product management at Sky um, since uh, since when we spoke to him when he was uh, he was chief product officer for uh, DAZN, which is the uh, global sports streaming platform, that's sort of described as the Netflix for live sport. But anyway, enough of my rambling. Should we uh, get into listening to what Ben's got to tell us? I've been spending a, a lot of time in in New York with a, a mate of mine who got me addicted on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And <laughs> um, after uh, after sort of caning Buffy after Buffy um, episode on, on her, um, her, her PVR over in New York, I was coming back to uh, the, the UK and there was a six-month holdback to Buffy. And because I wanted my fix of Buffy, um, I, I started to go onto uh, BitTorrent sites and see if I could download stuff. And I've been doing this after a while. I thought, hmm, I thought this is a bit naughty and I should probably shouldn't be doing this. But then I thought, hang on a sec. I'm sure there's a way to do this legitimately. And I was working for the BBC and I kind of thought, and um, it was over Christmas and I had this eureka moment uh, when I was at my parents, as I said, I was pretty much I was on my own I was going through divorce and, and uh, I just I had this idea it came to me uh, when I woke up and I just wrote it down and I created this like PowerPoint deck and then I got back to the BBC first stop was um, I went to go and see the head of new media strategy as he was called at the time um, who um, to present my idea of this catch-up TV services goes backwards of the last um, seven days and he told me that um, I, um, I was wasting my time. The BBC's job is to provide program support material. No, no one would be interested to watch TV on a computer. Um, wow. I should say that I, I, I didn't give up. I, I carried on and worked my way around the BBC. I, I managed to get just a little bit of money so I can make a, a promo video and a, a very ropey um, prototype, which was complete smoke and mirrors. Eventually, I 
Um, it took 84 presentations before I'd actually managed to get into the executive board, which sounds bonkers, but most this was mm. pre-YouTube, and most people thought that I was completely wasting my time. They thought the whole idea would never work, we'd never get the rights, it technically wouldn't work, it was just a disaster all over it as far as they, they thought. They treated me like an idiot savant. Um, eventually, I'd so many people told me what a bad idea it was and, and why it would never work. I wrote down all of these these questions or there were all these reasons why it was a bad idea and I made sure I'd done enough research to why it, it was possible and it could be done. So by the time I got to um, the executive board, my presentation was so polished, so battle-tested that there's just no way they, they could um, say, say no to it. And um, I, um, Gre Greg Dyke, who was director general of the BBC at the time, stood up, stood up and said, you've saved the BBC! It's uh, I think it's a great clip that isn't it? Mm. I mean the um, it's incredible really to think that that at this time the people didn't see that mm. no one had thought of this and and that actually people didn't think that there was a future in having uh, video on your computer. I just want, you know? I wonder why. I just it would have been yeah. I wonder why they um, didn't believe in it. I think it's like a historic thing for networks, isn't it? I mean, you. Um, I don't think. A, I think a lot of organisations don't see these things coming. They don't see mm. digital disruption coming at all. That's what generally kills a lot of organisations. Mm. Um, and I think it's really interesting that Greg Dyke would have had that that sort of foresight, essentially, to say that you've saved the BBC because mm. mm. that is the, entirely the direction that it's gone. I am amazed that the BBC has managed to largely stick to that seven-day catch-up window um, that they launched with because that is mostly the case except for some box sets, I believe, on the iPlayer. But, you know, that sets a precedent for... Um, the iPlayer sets a precedent for, for how we consume content now it's incredible mm -hmm. and globally as well i mean i know that there there were other things that ended up launching ahead of the iplayer i believe like channel four and a, a few other things but part of this was because ben was told to go and shop it around to all of these places and it was the bbc moving so slowly with actually getting the iplayer <coughs> out of the door that meant it probably wasn't the first to market mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was the first it, it was the biggest thing when it did come to market and it set the precedent for a hell of a long time mm. well having you know, look through all these videos, uh, these these recordings, and and picked the best of out. What you don't hear in this clip is how the BBC felt like they had to reveal their hand when it came to this this kind of streaming on demand service because there's a there's a particular obligation that they have that it's like an anti competitive type of thing. So. Mm -hmm. When you say, yeah, they had to kind of shop it around a little bit, they had to actually reveal their hand and, and give it to the likes of ITV and Channel 4. So it's, it, it must have been a really interesting time and a, a very uh, confusing and, you know, not really knowing what 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 what's going to happen here from both like a privacy perspective and uh, and a, just a, a non-compete perspective. But um the other aspect to this is what, I, which you don't hear in this clip, is what I really like is how he sold it to to some of the bigwigs at BBC. Um, he knew that uh, their kids. He 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 basically got a bunch of iPads and got their got the kids' TV shows kind of up and um, you know on on the iPad and gave all of the uh, stakeholders an iPad and just sort of presented this thing of imagine you know you can have your 
um your kids can just sit there and watch this thing while you're you know, watching TV or whatever. But it's just very clever products. You know, he's chief of products. I wouldn't at, at the time <laughs> of design, so I wouldn't expect anything less. But um, very clever kind of use of um, looking into your and understanding your your users, your market essentially, mm-hmm. and that that Absolutely. eventually got him the BBC iPlayer in, in, into everyone's uh, into everyone's hands. So it was a pretty cool, pretty cool journey there. Absolutely. So that's episode twelve. We mm. can uh, go back and listen to how on-demand TV and catch-up was created. Um, so this next clip, I think, is Rakesh. Rakesh, do you know what number ah. episode that is? You seem to have this weird memory for number of episodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're saying I have this weird memory, but I also have the website up in front of me. Weird uh, memory. <laughs> well, we have to go back and look over these things. I thought Rakesh was a little early on. When did we do Rakesh? Oh, no, um, no, no, he was, he was a bit, I think he was like mid. Oh, what he was, yeah, episode late. 36 episode uh, was was episode uh, was the episode <clears throat> with Rakesh, which is the modern CTO and code in space, because uh, mm-hmm. he describes himself as, um, what did he describe himself as, an executive, executive coder. coder. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, before we just jump into that one, let's like, let's, let's, let's look at ourselves a bit, because we just listened to one of our very first, I think that is the earliest episode we have in this selection i think i don't know but given it's so early do you think we've changed much as as i mean first of all i asked the listener like let us know if you think we've changed or the show has changed for better or worse please let it be for better but Chris, <laughs> do, but do you think that that our form well we've we've played around with the format haven't we i think well first of all this podcast started out um for me, I just wanted to write a really big blog post and kind of link off to all these discussions, talking with people who make websites, essentially, you know, and I talk, you know, we could talk about the design section and I go off and talk about, you know, talk to a designer and link off to that and whatever. Um, certainly, there were, at the beginning, I had a bunch of clips that some did not make it in because the format there has changed. But since now you and I had kind of pushed forward together, what, what are your what are your kind of observations on the on the format or, or anything really? Well, I suppose I derailed your original format a little bit, didn't I, by turning it into basically an interview show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we used but to we do did, the news, didn't we? we, we I was going to say, yeah, we did the news. I mean, how many episodes of news did we do? I mean, they're not available anymore. We've taken them down, but I think we probably did... Um, Quite a few. Probably a good 20 or so, I think. Well, we removed them because it then suddenly dated... The, yeah, we would do the news before the episode, and then it suddenly dated the episode, and then it's like, well, why would you want to listen to the news old of, tech news yeah yeah absolutely you know it's it's a nice time capsule don't get me wrong but then we went through and edited out the new, i think i finished doing that <laughs> edited all the news out and whatever so and we did we went through a stint of live streaming which i don't think we, we particularly did, did um captured captured the right market there but you know we tried it um but generally i think us as interviewers we go we go into this without any script and I was speaking to that about some, with someone I was trying to get on the show today, saying we don't have any scripts because we're just we're just excited nerds going into a conversation. <laughs> Whereas before, I think I was keen to do to get have questions lined up, and we would kind of have mm. them on the side, and we'd kind of go through them. But now I feel so comfortable talking to these people, and you have your strengths, and I have my strengths, where we kind of can lead an episode. Um, but ultimately, we don't we don't tend to have questions lined up. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, we we I th- I think I've probably got less prepared as we've gone on. 
Um, and I think that might be a strength. I don't know. I think I it's more think. of a trying to see where things flow. I mean, what's useful to us now is that when we book a guest, we 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 tend to understand a little bit about where they mm-hmm. what what they can talk to us about, and also the guests are probably. Um, I think early on we had some a closer connection to the guests. Mm-hmm. Like we still have close connections with some of them, but now we're getting recommend. We're we're, we're well into the recommendations mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. and I I think as a result some of the guests' profiles are larger, um, as well, which is interesting. So it puts you in a position where you can, you can look them up and you can do some research. And it is very brief, I think, the research that we do because it makes for a better conversation. Yeah. Because yeah, someone moment. tells you something and you can go, hang on a minute, that's really interesting. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helps the conversations to sort of flow. And then we obviously benefit heavily from having our editor, Simon, uh, tidy things up for us. <laughs> <laughs> Fix our mistakes, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I was editing, actually speaking about it, yeah, I think I was on editing these early episodes, you know, and mm. uh, getting them ready. But now we've... Uh, brought on simon and uh, they sound a lot better i think but uh mixed a lot better as well i think the the overall sound quality and i think even in these early episodes i was i was recording with my airpods or whatever but anyway. <laughs> we live and learn as the microphones and quality gets better yeah. Um, yeah so should we get into the into the rakesh clip a little bit more now so executive coder rakesh ravuri who i actually worked with tesco probably oh i guess that might be getting on for 10 years ago as well now it's close um maybe eight uh <laughs> so yeah i met Te- i met rakesh at tesco and he subsequently went on to work at amazon and is i think he's still at sapient now mm-hmm. um but yeah let's hear what he's got to tell us about um code, about in, code space. in space there was an uh, election which happened in belgium so one of the candidates uh, was basically like one of the 50 candidates who were contesting, uh, who no one basically gave much chance of doing anything, suddenly uh, showed a tally which says that she's the she's the leader, right? Like uh, they were using electronic voting machines. This is back in 93. So people were like, okay, how can she uh, win the election, right? Uh, so they were like tallying the results. So the, if the number of votes counted uh, and the number of people who voted didn't tally up, Right, and the exact difference was what the number of votes this person got. So there was a massive audit to figure out, okay, how did this happen? Right, so did someone hack the system? Uh, how, uh, how how did this ha- uh, happen? And they finally figured out that like one bit in the thirteenth register got flipped, and that is four thousand. Right, like so you you get four thousand more votes uh, when that bit got uh, flipped. And they were thinking, okay, how did this bit get flipped? And then uh, there was a lot of research saying that, okay, this cosmic rays, these are high energy particles which get released from black holes and quasars and those kind of stuff. They are passing through everything, like you and me, even now. But when they hit a, a register, the register flips. And obviously, when you are there in space, you are exposed to more cosmic radiation because mm. there's no atmosphere, there is no buildings, there's no uh, things to stop those radiations are getting uh, shielded. So there is no guarantee that when you say I'm writing two to a register, it'll it'll still be two in the next step, right? So so how do you write code now, right? When in, in, we are all saying that okay, when I store something in a variable and then I read it out, I'm I'm guaranteed that I'm going to read the same value, right? That is how the whole premise of the code is based on. So how do you write a code when you're not guaranteed about uh, the last step? So that was the challenge, right? So so, <laughs> so so to do that, what they do is like. Uh, 
so NASA does this, and I think most of the space programs do this. So they have uh, the special boards and processes wherein the same piece of code, line by line, when uh, when a clock ticks, gets executed in three or four processes, right? And then what happens is then uh, there is a coordinating program which says that okay, the, does all three match? Right, and only then the next step is valid. Right, like so, if uh, uh, the majority of them match, and that is the value. So there is, uh, they are banking on the fact that the cosmic ray will not strike all these registers at the same time to make that big flip happen in all the processors. So that is on the uh, processor level. Same thing, you have to do it at the code level. So when you write an algorithm, you have to write an algorithm in three different ways, uh, doing the same thing, but make sure that like. Uh, uh, if, if there's a mistake in the algorithm, two of the algorithms will be right. One of them might be wrong, right? So the bugs are prevented. So that saves lives and satellites and people falling on, <laughs> satellites falling on people's sides. <laughs> so, so that is the unique learning for me, right? Saying that like, okay, everything which can go wrong can go wrong. Uh, so how do you sort of how triple redundancy? So so when I say like, okay, when you sort, like for example, right? Like, okay, I'm sorting a thing. I'll sort by bubble sort and I'll sort by quick sort. Like, so there are two different mm. algorithms. So if they are not, the results are not matching, that means there was a bug in one of them, right? So so like that, if you sort of do a triple redundancy, suddenly your code becomes complicated, right? Now you, you are doing everything three times, three different ways, and then looking at what happened. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to have to stop this conversation right now. Can I just jump in and can we just realize how crazy it is what you're talking about? You're talking about <laughs> writing code that protects itself against black holes and prevents quantum <laughs> flips happening. Like, what a world we live in. Here you go. Your mind was totally blown there, wasn't it? It, it was uh, honestly like, it, it It made me feel like we've made it. We've made it. <laughs> like, we're speaking to someone who, who basically is, you know, held hands with a black hole or a quasar <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like, it, I was just, you know, for anyone that knows me, knows that I love space everything to do with space and uh that was for me was just like i, I was at a fanboy moment I, you could probably hear my smile as i as i kind yeah. of was saying all that but it was a really really good episode and again listening back through this whole entire episode i i think this is the most fun just from a trying to be a third per person this is the most fun you and i have had on an episode there was so much in this and and Rakesh was such a joy to talk to there's so many bangers and I think this was the only well not, this was the best of a, an extremely good bunch that that yeah mm -hmm. this was you know um just I think I think the reason why uh, you know I thought this one was good is it, it shows that as well like how relaxed we are with our guests as well that was quite nice and um yeah, because we're just an amazing guest. We had about six clips, I think, that we've whittled. whittled yeah. down to this. And actually, there was a lot of content that we cut out of this as well, just to get mm. it down to a reasonable length, because yeah. the, it was such a great conversation uh, that we had with Rakesh. And I mean, I remember him telling me that when we, when we worked together in like, oh, it must be 2013, something along those sort of lines, maybe mm -hmm. 2014. Mm. And it really has stuck with me. Mm. Like the the um the having to write code in three different ways for, yeah. to make it resilient in space. Yeah. And one other thing that he didn't he didn't mention, um, in this clip that he mentions in the episode is that there was some stuff that he'd written in the early nineties that had only just made it 
into space <laughs> because oh, of how yes. because of how slow it, it is to actually uh, you know create and build spacecrafts and software and all of that sort of mm. stuff and so the the development cycle for these things is incredibly slow because i think at the time this this was roughly when they'd just done the mars lander and so we were talking on our news portion of the show about the um, them running Snapdragon, having a Snapdragon mm. processor and running Linux on the moon on, on Mars, which was um, fascinating. And so we were then having this same conversation about this stuff that had been uh, developed in the early '90s and only just made it uh, to uh, listening. It <laughs> only just made it. Um, so I think it was really, um, really very interesting. I was going to say, I bought this recently. Now you've said that, you've reminded me. I bought this recently. It's a, it's a T-shirt. This translates really well to audio. Carry on. Well, no, 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 because we're going to release this as a video. It's a uh, <laughs> Mars 2020 Curiosity Rover T-shirt. I think that's what we were. Oh, I wow. think that's what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I got that recently, and it's very good. I very much like that. Like, I love space. I love I, look at these tattoos. I love I love space. You know, I got space around here. Oh, that's a dinosaur. That is yeah. a dinosaur. Yeah, that's a space man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, the only only other thing I, I made a note to mention in this is like, yeah, I, I'd I'd recently found out about this quantum bit flipping as well because um, there was someone doing a Super Mario. Um, Mario 64, good old good old Nintendo 64 speed run, and a quantum bit hit the Nintendo system whilst he was doing the speed bump and it pushed him like like off you can see this on YouTube you know pushed him to a different place hmm. either a hidden area or further along so no one's been able to like beat that speed run or something I spent I forget the specifics but I'd just watched this episode just a few days ago before that we recorded this so I knew exactly what um Rakesh was talking about and I was like holy crap like I'm I'm talking with someone who who, who knows about this kind of thing so I was very very excited <laughs> but it's crazy isn't it because these are the things yeah. that you don't really think about and you certainly don't you know, I mean, the average person doesn't think about them. The average coder doesn't think about them mm -hmm. because it's not really something you have to even ever worry about. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's really it was really insightful to get to talk to somebody who has actually had to code around these sort of problems before. Mm -hmm. um, it's like it's like writing tests in your code. Barely yeah. get a chance to yeah, write yeah. tests outside of the code, let alone <laughs> writing the test inside the code. And well, when your code actually is a test, to yeah, test exactly. The code is just incredible. So, yeah. no, it was a great episode, really good episode, and definitely worth uh, listening back to. Yeah. Okay, so next up is uh, is George Coxon, who is the she she was director of the Nano Foundation when we spoke to her. I think is is that still her title at the moment? She just changed her title at the time. She, yeah, yeah. I think that was her new title, wasn't it? That was her new title. Um, so, be, listen and beware, there is mention of uh, sexual violence in this clip, um, and I think this is quite profound because it was something that we certainly weren't aware of, and mm. uh, True that. really insightful from George about the, 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 sort of, the sort of things that women in tech have to put up with. You're seeing a difference between women and men in terms of the paths that they get they follow they follow to take to get into technology well i mean we have put out so many job listings and this is kind of the best way to describe it and i think we have received one cv from a female developer in three and a half years 
Wow. That says it all, really. Um, I think this all comes back and stems from education and from school to make sure that women and girls understand that there are viable careers within technology and within the science and STEM industries that you aren't going to feel like, you know, the one that stands out. You know, I think we've all been to a lecture or a class where you're the only person, whether it's down to gender or whether it's down to this, you feel that you stick out and therefore potentially don't feel as comfortable or it's such a novelty and how wonderful that you are there in the beautiful condescending manner that so many people use. I think it all definitely comes down to schooling. And I'm really excited to see a remarkable change even in the three and a half years that I've been at Nano. I'm seeing a lot more visible female faces around and actually our team is nearly 50-50, which is so exciting. But there's a long way to go. You know, I still get called a whore constantly on LinkedIn, for instance. Really? And yeah. And a student had the, the gall to do that on a post of mine. So I tagged his university and went, I'm sure they're incredibly proud that you have written this on LinkedIn, this professional network that your career will be based upon. But it all comes down to the insecurities of people online, the, account, the lack of accountability, the, anonymi- you know, this, the anonymous side of the internet mixed mm. with finance, and therefore the, the also the lack of education around trading, financial security, and, and all of that mixed in with a lot of insecurity of people and how we treat each other online is, you know, it's baffling. I mean, I've had my face deep faked on to porn and sent to various people. I've had doctored images sent on, you know, it's, it is, oh I've God. got a, an auction on 4chan of who gets to rape me first. And that's been online for three and a half years. I have petitioned to take it down by Google, but I have no right over that yet they have a right over my image and I don't so there's a lot to be done when it comes to again the regulation of the internet I believe in free speech of course but where is the line of harassment and where is the line of abuse and where's the line of internet accountability when people create these things insane I think it's shocking I mean I was so surprised when she brought that up mm. Came out of nowhere, didn't it? <laughs> it did a little bit. It did a little bit. I mean, mm. I, because I, I had no idea about any of that going into it, mm. and you know, it 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 got it got it went from bad to worse, didn't it? You know, yeah. from from talking about um being called a whore on LinkedIn of all things mm. to to being deep faked onto porn is just incredible, and it, you know, especially for um, you, you know. I mean, Nano's a pretty big currency. Um, you know, there's a hundred thousand subscribers on um, on on the Reddit uh, board, the Reddit, so the subreddit. But I, I mean, that feels quite a small community in, in by, you know, global standards. Mm-hmm. To to have the founder be subjected to that sort of stuff. Ima- yeah, well, he bring up a good point. Imagine someone with, you know, gosh. M- many more followers or, or who's who's way more embedded in the in the spotlight you know these sort of celebrities and things like that it's just you just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen you know i couldn't even Im- I d- <laughs> why would you why would you imagine a, a, a petition of who's going to rape someone first like it's just it's crazy but um 
and and you know it's it's hard it's hard to decide or 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 take from that clip whether um george is numb to it or whether she's still affected by it you know she sort of smirked and said it with a lot of confidence but um you know it is sort of a terrible thing and and rightly or wrongly she does seem a bit numb to it and it's just it's it's a horrible horrible state of uh of affairs but with that being said that episode it wasn't all doom and gloom like we had that was a, another blast that was a really good episode i think we got on really episode. well and actually i haven't told you this but i, I text georgia yesterday and she said um she said to date that was one of the best podcasts she's ever done and uh, oh, I think that was nice. really, yeah, so that was really good. And it was a fun episode. And we, we did, and it, it's just a testament to the, some of the issues and things our guests bring to the show, you know, that we we like to, we enjoy those conversations and we kind mm. of like to highlight. So it, 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 I, th- I thank George kind of bringing those issues to my, our guests kind of peripherals as well. So that was really good. But it was a really, really good episode. Yeah, well, I mean, we've had some, some great conversations with, uh, with a number of women in tech mm-hmm. where we have talked about the sort of the misogyny in mm-hmm. technology. And I think what's really interesting is that we all need to be more aware of it, um, specifically the males in tech. And we know it's a male dominated industry. And I think if we don't stand up for women, then we are fundamentally complicit in that. And mm-hmm. so we probably do need to take more of a stand. And to the point that we've just mentioned, you know, we talk about the, uh, the Bumble founder, uh, mm-hmm. Whitney Wolf heard because they just IPO'd, I believe, at the time, and uh, we, you know, I- imagine the, the scale of abuse that she had to, to to deal with. In fact, she was ousted from from uh, from Tinder, I believe. That's what ended up. Yes, yeah, by her, a, a her sexual founding. harassment case or something. I- exactly, exactly. And then you know, you talk about like um, the Yahoo CEO Marissa Mayer. Like, she got a whole load of. Of, of shit and i think unfortunately this is largely down to how the media portray things so i think um it's definitely time for for us to take a stand as well to um to 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 support more women getting involved mm-hmm. in technology absolutely absolutely um do you remember what the name of this episode was going to be <laughs> uh yeah i do we, we talked about well it just shows our inexperience i suppose yeah. at the time of uh crypto and we all t- ultimately did end up speaking with um uh erica stanford i think who, who was the author of crypto wars who in mm-hmm. the, um uh explained some stuff to us i think in terms mm-hmm. of the crypto crimes and stuff but we talked about her being a crypto queen exactly um, we, we thought it was amazing not, we thought that was a bagger is, yes, of an episode we, name we, we thought we'd done a great <laughs> job with the title um but yes you can look up crypto queen if you're not familiar with crypto queen but that is a person who uh absconded with many millions in uh, in, in crypto and uh not sure have they been caught i don't remember i think i'm probably gonna not in more detail um, but yeah that's that's one of the crypto true crimes really is the crypto queen so uh mm. yeah you can look into that in fact that's on uh, episode 28 i think we talk a little bit about that with uh, with erica stanford um but yeah we, that, <laughs> that certainly wasn't the right title was it no no <laughs> It, t- it ended up being small coin and big impact because actually there's a whole load of social responsibility stuff in nano and i think it was quite um amazing really to talk about the 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 great stuff that the nano foundation are trying to do to basically bring currency to everywhere in the world and, and actually sort of democratize mm-hmm. currency uh, so there's some really uh, inspiring uh, stuff in 
the nano corporation and definitely an episode that's worth listening to if you're interested in the the democratization of money mm. absolutely so from one powerhouse female to another this next clip is from alex bertles your uh well i mean good friend of yours huh yeah so uh since this episode has um has aired uh, I mean, Alex and I have known each other since 2015, 2016, something like that, uh, working together at Talk Talk, where you were as well, Sam. So we all three knew each other. But I, I'm actually working as a, as a CTO for Alex's startup now, as it happens, which is called In Good Company. So you can go to uh, ingoodcompany.org.uk and you can see the website that I've just built for them. And then you can criti criticize it if you'd really like or just sign up because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's all about good companies and uh and and sort of creating a trip advisor type product but for good companies but at the time when we were having this conversation with alex she had just come off a stint as uh the second in command to dido harding baroness dido harding who was heading up the nhs test and trace and alex's responsibility was basically as the product owner for the uh the, the nhs test and trace app that she was brought in to try and uh, try and rectify essentially because it was a huge um i don't know what's the word for it, it was a huge well, disaster get it it was a huge fuck up really wasn't it? i mean it was an absolute nightmare at the time um of you know the the government spending a huge amount of money on nhs test and trace which wasn't just the app it was everything else that went alongside it mm. and and rolling out an app that fundamentally didn't work and they had to scramble very, very quickly to try and put something together, which uh, I think, well, let's hear from Alex and see what she's got to say. And by the end, you just go, why didn't we go? Why didn't we just why didn't we do native? Because I mm. actually, you know, and uh, and I think, you know, native wasn't an option originally. There wasn't a native. Um, and then you you go, well, actually, we've got something. It's up and running. We're going to test it, um, you know, and part of part of tech as well is that you part of tech is you try granted covid is not the thing that you want to do your experiments on but there are there are points and there were points where you had no choice and then i think it's uh, the, the honest answer is it didn't I mean, it didn't work as it needed to bits of think, it worked but bits of it think, didn't do you think it was trying to experiment too much because i think the first one di didn't you have to be in proximity of someone and the proximity sensor would would detect something rather than most of the world, which went for QR codes? The core, one of the pieces of functionality is um, distance proximity. Mm. Um, so like a distance proximity center. So your phones talk to each other and measure the difference. And there's a time on it as well. So, you know, have spent how much time have I spent in close contact with you? Um, so we in the UK, were trying to build that ourselves and eventually Google and Apple brought out an API that enables you to do it. And so that's what most of the rest of the world had launched. And we were still we had been working on our own version um, and that didn't in field. We did a lot of field testing, did a pilot and it wasn't it wasn't sense. You've got to be very sensitive and specific with it yeah. because obviously you're informing people about whether they should self-isolate for 14 days at the time. So you, it needs to work really well. Um, and um, ours didn't work as well. It, it worked better on some bits, but ultimately it wasn't, it, it wasn't good enough. And it, you know, there were issues with it working on both Apple and Android. Um, and 
Um, then the other thing is QR codes for checking in at venues, which is something mm. New Zealand did. Yep. Um, and originally Google and Apple, uh, and actually Google and Apple hadn't integrated into their app. It was something that was developed separately in New Zealand. Um, and uh, yeah, so we ended up in, and I think it was the right decision, which was to say actually, rather than continuing to kind of continue to try and make it work, at some point you've just got to go actually we're going to stop we're going to move on to and build a native um we um you know some of the team remained but we also brought in some new people um so we had people who had um we actually brought in people who had particular experience of working on big consumer apps yeah. so like banking apps and Ocado apps so you know we had people who had really delivered like you know consumer products not just it's not because it's not just about the tech you want people to take it up huge concerns about privacy um, and use of data um, and managed to use some of the particularly some of the algorithm development that have been done in the first pass um, part um, but yeah, pivoted onto, um, went onto a new platform and I, I think it was, you know, and it was absolutely the right thing. It was the right decision to do. There you go. So I think that's interesting because there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff said about the NHS test and trace, um, app. And I think it's a little difficult because there's so many opinions about it and what works, what doesn't work, what was the right thing to do, what was the wrong thing to do. Mm. And a lot of those opinions are not based in fact, necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, they're based on opinions <clears throat> and stuff that was portrayed in the media. And so I think it's actually really interesting to hear what actually happened. And what Alex is talking about there is, is a decision that was made to stop development on an app throw it away and start again and mm. actually release a new app within about six weeks to two months which is an incredible turnaround actually and it's a very brave decision to just cancel something that often doesn't happen and uh it's quite a it, it from from her perspective of coming in and having a broken app and turning it into one that worked it's quite a success story and mm. um, that's certainly not what you hear in the public domain where the government threw good money after bad and brought in a load of expensive consultants. But um, there's, it's interesting to note that there's two sides to every story. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think this was such a, an enlightening episode and, and I was proud actually of this episode to kind of bring this story to the, to the forefront because yeah, we all had our own preconceptions. I had my own preconceptions going into this episode, uh, you know, just from about the app and the, 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 how it was portrayed in the news and stuff. So when it finally came out, you know, I was a bit smug. I was like, you know what? I think people need to listen to this because it, she, she articulates it very, very clear. She's proud of her decisions. She's proud of the work that, um, that she did. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I think that carries across William now because this is a great episode another great episode and William was amazing he had about was it did he have about four hours sleep record, jumping into this recording or something but um, oh, I don't remember that bit but uh, William was um, is I've forgotten his role but he's at Microsoft isn't he uh, he is yeah so it's uh, it's episode 40 it's about all about global diversity and technology and the future of Microsoft He's a um, advisor to the CTO at Microsoft. I believe that's his role. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah, so that rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shares the same name as me as well, which is also you know, <laughs> if you hadn't useful. noticed, if you hadn't noticed, uh, William Adams. And you, you grew and very um, jealous of his oh, animation, animation that he. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, yeah, what was it? What was it? Was it animation? It was animation. It yeah, some sort of automation thing. But uh, yeah, this was a great episode. We we spoke about a lot of things, but again, I think the biggest, the the most important aspect, I think, to this episode, obviously, was not only, I mean, he, what was it? sequel was it no xml he invented a lot of stuff he brought a lot of stuff to the table um in in his early years a very very innovative i guess you could call him, call him an inventor i don't know got a lot of patents to I, his name I, yeah i think he had the patent he has the patent for um uh for collaborative document editing mm. so like google docs basically and he basically his first his first um job at microsoft was working on the xml team which basically became ubiquitous, like everybody knows and uses XML. And he does seem to have a great uh, knack for putting together these little phrases, like techquity as well, if you remember <laughs> that one, which is about um, equity and equity and, o- and ownership in technology, uh, especially for blacks and underrepresented groups. Mm. So yeah, he's an interesting fella. And I think he just, it was it, with him and his brother as well, they'd just been interviewed yeah. for... Um, uh, what what was it he'd been interviewed for? Oh, I'm not too sure to be honest. That was it. So just before this, as well, him and his brother, um, Stephen, and their contributions to tech company diversity featured in the Computer History Museum. Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool is that? It's very, very cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the the core focus of this episode is obviously about the diversity and and what what uh, William has done for you know I mean Leap was he created Leap and Microsoft HR team inevitably ended up buying it as a program so he's and 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 wasn't he doing wasn't his next mission take going over to Africa and doing some doing some uh, tech recruitment or whatever over there as well. I think that was his next kind of uh, big goal. Yeah, so he, speci- he, he he promotes on his website as his vision is to help every black <coughs> person interested in having a career or business in technology get into the field and prosper. And his mission is to empower blacks to build wealth and agency through equity ownership of technology companies, which is his hashtag techquity. Techquity, cool. Well, <laughs> let's listen to the clip and then we can uh, jump back in. And I said, what's one of your biggest challenges? And he said, well, there's this whole diversity thing. This diversity thing. Now, in case you haven't noticed, I'm a black guy in America. Our listeners might not know that. <laughs> yes. I am an African-American. I was born that way. And so I, I said, oh, diversity. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, keep in mind that uh, when I joined in 98, there were 2.6% African-Americans in tech roles, and I'm very specific about tech roles, Mm. not sales, not janitors, not data centers, tech roles, um, 2.6%. And I knew this because there was a lawsuit at the time by a sales guy who left the company and said, you guys are discriminatory. And at that time, I was like, I don't know, I was new to the company. It's like, "Ah, maybe it was your situation, who knows, but no, 2.6%. And at the time that I had this conversation with my uh, CVP, we were at a whopping 3.6%. Mm. 
20 years later, wow. 20 years later, we had grown a whopping 1%. And there it is. It's a very short clip, that, but I think it's quite a powerful statement, isn't it? That the mm -hmm. I was surprised it was so low to begin with, but the fact that it had only increased by 1% mm -hmm. in 20 years was just yeah. shocking. And you can see why William's now got that as an absolute mission mm -hmm. uh, to, to empower black people to be involved in technology and actually having a sense of ownership in technology companies mm. it, was, it was another interesting point of that in that clip as well is that how he would he himself was kind of ignorant to the the whole diversity thing thinking that it doesn't sort of exist because it was obviously out of his peripherals but not it wasn't until he spoke to someone and, and got those numbers that he, he really saw it from himself and that seems like a real turning point for him and his mission and, and obviously he cared about it but given that he was like i don't know you know that must that must have been a real pivotal moment in mm. what led on to be leap and and everything that he's doing now tequity i love that <laughs> <laughs> i think it's also there's some parallels there between william's episode and uh, and george's episode absolutely yeah 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 for and sure because you know we we have had a tendency to uh dive into some of these social issues within technology in the, in the tech world mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Absolutely. i think it's uh it, it it's not necessarily something that you think about or as a, as a white male i suppose it's not something that you necessarily think about on a day-to-day -day basis um mm. certainly not when you start your career in technology because uh, there are generally you know women black people etc around but it it is generally majority white male and, um, you know, I've personally seen some uh, some discrimination. Maybe it wasn't intentional, but like differences in uh, differences in pay, you know, that I've mm -hmm. had in people who've worked in my teams that I've corrected because it's not right. Um, you know, discrimination that people have had with not wanting to hire people from certain ethnic backgrounds or certain genders and stuff like that and i think is there's, there's a whole load of stuff in there about um bias but also um un unconscious bias as well mm -hmm. I, i'm not really too sure really whether the line is drawn between conscious and unconscious bias within within technology but there is certainly bias in there because i know mm -hmm. that you know even even within hiring and recruiting of certain companies people will go after people who are from red brick universities in the uk or they will go after um uh what's the group of universities in america that slips my mind um, oh i don't know, I know but again saying. you're talking harvard yale yes. um stanford, stanford and you know you can write in if you can remember what that group is because clearly <laughs> i've just it's just escaped me uh it'll come back to me later and i'll just blurt it out i'm sure but the um yeah it, it, you know that you see you see that sort of discrimination and actually that was something that william went to went on to talk about was having that ability to help people find a second career actually and you shouldn't necessarily rule out people who haven't gone to one of these big universities and done computer science they may have found their way in somewhere else and actually there's a lot of certainly older people who never who didn't necessarily study computer science because they came at it from a different route and mm. because maybe you know before the internet was a big thing you know i've met a lot of people in that in that in that respect i've met a lot of people who 
didn't go to university at all. And actually one or two of them have been the best coders that I've ever worked with. So I think, you know, William goes on to talk about how do you, uh, how, how do you help people find a second career in technology and how do we make that available as an option so that people can come into um, the technology industry? And specifically the reason he's talking about that is because it's, more under more more poorly represented in more diverse areas um like black female etc um because they're the ones that are generally not given the chance because of that bias unconscious or otherwise Mm. um this was actually another one of those episodes that i was really proud of because it's, it's hard to know what sometimes it's hard to know what you can do to help bring these to to correct or bring these things to the surface i mean you know particularly as again a, a, a white male it's it you know i can i sometimes feel like it's almost patronizing to to try and do something or it's woke or whatever to mm-hmm. you know and i felt like this uh, again this is not this is not the only episode we've discussed this stuff on uh Mantegira, episode two i think that was yeah, yeah um we spoke about this and her being a brown brown lady um and and kind of her issues and what she saw like again it, it made me proud that we're t- sort of bringing these issues to the surface surface and and hopefully you know educating our listeners on on some of these matters and and hearing it from from these people in an in an entertaining way you know we're not we're not trying to you know we know when it's important to talk about this stuff but you know we talk about all, all the other stuff william mm. is just as big a nerd as you and me and we we talk out about all sorts of stuff in this episode so it was a really good one to, to listen the, the back to the mamta one you mentioned is interesting though because she also talks about sexuality and not being comfortable yeah. coming out yeah. in uh in, in technology and you know i'd worked with mamta like 10 years ago and i didn't know that she was mm-hmm. gay because she never told anybody mm-hmm. and 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 you know for her own reasons that she would be discriminated against and but you know so again episode two great episode to go back to actually started with a really good one but mm-hmm. um straight out the blocks but i think you know you're uh you're right to point out that it, it isn't just all social issues i think they're really important and we should raise them especially as they come up and we should think differently i said i think it certainly helps me to think differently when i'm hiring mm. people or um or or inter- you know interviewing people for work positions um you know y- you need to be conscious of these sort of things and actually we need to be conscious in the sort of interview techniques that we're using as well to make sure mm. we're not in we're not putting up barriers and actually you know all of the episodes we've spoken to about recruitment and interviews as well those are, and other things that have come out that we do need to think differently about how we interview people in technology which again is another passion of williams and uh yeah we the the slices of clips that we've taken today obviously we we are talking about some of the more profound moments that have come out but we do get to have some great conversations some deep conversations about um about technology about technology and software hardware you know as well as all of the people and the business issues startups all of that sort of stuff so we have really taken in a real wide range of topics Mm. and conversations with a real range of people from all over the world as well and we've had listeners from all over the world so thank you listeners for tuning in from all over the world it's been a pleasure to have you uh listen along with us to uh to some of these great people that we've had on the show so far especially norway 
Especially Norway. <laughs> Big shout out to Norway. We were really we were in the top five podcasts in Norway for a while. Absolutely. It's been a fun old journey, the, the that tech show. Um and it's been such an enjoyable and I've learned so much just by doing this podcast. You know, on, on a daily basis I'm able to say oh yeah i spoke to this one person and they said this and it's nice to be able to reference some of these and and be able to you know suggest and 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 reference some of these people on a day-to-day basis and even in some respects you know um work with them again because we meet them through this platform and it's it's been really really enjoyable to you know see it grow from just me with my airpods and during covid lockdown interviewing some of my friends to now some of the biggest names in tech coming forward to us with the likes of intel google um obviously microsoft with william you know um just to see it blossom and uh i'm excited for the next the next 50 yeah well we've got a hell of a lot of those already recorded <laughs> yeah well yeah absolutely yeah we have we've got some cracking episodes coming up so um yeah, stay tuned for that. Um, I, I would ask, you know, what what were the listeners, what their favourite kind of episode? It would be interesting to know what the listeners' favourite episode was um, because, of course, we've got the stats, We, you know, what they listened to, but it doesn't necessarily tell us whether they enjoyed it or not or whether they, you know, had particular moments. So it would be interesting to know if anyone's got any feedback on their favourite moments. Absolutely. So you can do that uh, via a review on apple Podcasts. oh yes that would be make the best sure way, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah absolutely make sure that's a five star review uh, we will answer your reviews if you want to post on there uh, if you um give us a wave on twitter as well uh, or, or also Podchaser as well because on Podchaser you can leave us a review you can leave a review on a specific episode as well which is nice um and yeah also on, on the website so on the website you can go on there there's a contact form and you can also hit uh, hello at that tech show um that tech dot show let me be more specific <laughs> and uh and yeah we will we will get back to you and uh it would be great to hear from you um also i think it's worth covering as well that next week on the show we have anders andreen the ceo of urban easter headphones who will be talking to us about their new solar powered headphones so you know from all of the stuff we've heard today to some more cool technology uh we we've maybe announced at the end of the 49th episode that that was going to be today's episode but we got a bit excited about having a 50th anniversary so um he will be episode birthday. 51 50th birthday <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, so i think that's probably it for this week is there any more things we need to call out sam just just one thing you know we, we've been doing this for you know 50 episodes more because they've already recorded and edited we're just we're just trickling them out to you but you know we do this off our own back and i think we've still got have we still got a patreon or or a buy me a coffee thing we do have a buy me a coffee yeah yeah if you've enjoyed it i you know do consider leaving us a little tip it really goes a long way to to think that people are enjoying it and and it helps us you know buy equipment and and pay our editor because that's all coming out of our pocket you know we we don't we don't beg for any money uh, uh, you know on every single episode but it would be it would be nice to you know it would be a good um place to show your appreciation if 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 you want to do that anonymously or whatever so we do have a a, podcast are loss making people should know that (laughs) but we you know we enjoy the fun of it absolutely and we do we do gain knowledge and and spread joy and all the rest of it but um there are financial overheads when it comes to doing this so if you do but if if you you also spare us a coffee yeah spare a dime 
throw in a shekel. Uh, but if, <laughs> but um, also, you know, if you're interested, uh, Sam's putting together some new branding. So if you want some swag, then uh, let us know and we'll see if we can get some stuff made up. That'd be cool. Mm. Um, that would be cool. Or uh, yeah, you know, drop a drop us a line. Go, give us um, uh, give us a like. Give us a share. You know, that helps just as much as dropping a shekel. <laughs> Right, we should leave it on shackle. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. See you next week.